everyone. Welcome back to the Start Dreaming Again podcast. My name is Tabitha, and today we have a very special episode. I got the honor of interviewing our own Gannon Sims, who just wrote a book, and it's being released April 7th. You can learn more about it by visiting his website, gannonsims.com. That's G-A-N-N-O-N-S-I-M-S.com. Go ahead, order the book, get the ebook, get the physical book, read it, mark it up, um, post a picture of you with the book, and yeah, I really hope you enjoy it. This interview was so much fun, so let's just get into it. Hi, Tabitha. Hi, Gannon. I'm, really, I'm kind of intimidated, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Please don't be. <laughs> she, she works for the campus paper, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> You're fine, you're fine. <laughs> Yeah, well, I um, had the privilege and honor of getting to read Gannon's book over the last couple of days. I flew right through it, went back, read it again, made some notes. I am a fast reader, so that might just be me, but it was great. I saw so much of Gannon in every page, so it was just really sweet. I recommend pick up a copy if you really want to get to know both Gannon, but also like the culture that we've created here. It's just a really good summary of everything that we stand for, which is really sweet. I just wanted to know, like, tell me about the book. Tell me about how it came about. Yeah. How long was it in the works? How did that happen? Well, I wrote um, an outline of like five points on a napkin <laughs> in Tori Bauckham's office at Truro Church in Fairfax in August of 2016. I'm a slow writer. I'm also a slow reader. Um, and then, but it was, it was theory. Um, I, I don't really like to put things on paper if I haven't actually done them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like to talk about doing things actually. I like to practice. So, so it was the, the practice of this over then the next few years. And I started kind of writing in earnest a little bit in 2018 or about 15,000 words at a beach house over family vacation because <laughs> I'm really weird at beaches. I'm, I'm very, very <laughs> complected and so I can't quite do the beach thing like my wife's family can do the beach thing so I'm on the porch riding and I was really having a blast like they thought I was crazy but it was fun I, 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 I'm at home there on the porch riding so wrote a bit then and I was supposed to be doing this project with two other people who went on to other positions um, in 2018, 2019. And so I felt a bit orphaned, thinking, well, this is like something we were doing together, right? Mm-hmm. And so then in 2020, and this was, to be fair, um, the, the funny thing is, anybody in the room knows Mike Jones. So Mike Jones, Mike and Terry said, hey, go to our lake house. Y'all plan your year out. So we're at Mike and Terry's house in Lake Anna over New Year's, and we got out the big poster board calendar, and we planned 2020. I have never been so planned in my entire life. I booked my vacations in February 2020. I like was I was like booking summer vacations. It was ridiculous. So I I still didn't get that one jet blue flight uh, like um, refunded. But um so but I, I made the goal 2020. I'm gonna finish the book and it was the only thing I finished in 2020. So. Um, finished the book and then and then we were just experimenting. I mean, there were just even things in the revision process. There are stories that got woven in. Stories for many of you all in this room, actually. Um, so the book is us. Um, you are part of the book. Um, we have collectively lived something that 
I think increasingly the, the church needs um, mm-hmm. today because um, in things have changed. The world's changed. And so we're, we're following the one who's already changed the world. Yeah. So, so that's interesting to me. I didn't know that you started the book so long ago because, I mean, the title of the book, Bringing Church Home, like there's so many ties to house church, like the way that we do a house church at the center. And so I assumed that the book came out of that. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Part of it did. Yeah. But the theory was, mm-hmm. some of the theory and the theology was there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. As I was learning with these other people who kind of left mm-hmm. me, but we're all friends. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so I assume that at the start, then the book was a lot more about like how the family is the image yeah. of the church and of Christ, like marriage especially, which yeah. is something that you go into a lot in the book. Yeah. Um, so I have page numbers for all of these quotes, by the way, because I'm like that. So um, you mention in the book how Jesus upends and reorients the family as we know it. So that like very much felt like a thesis statement for the book to me. So I guess, how have you seen that? Are there ways that you've seen that in your own life or here at the center? How does Jesus change the family? Yeah, I mean, you know, so if you look at the, sorry, I'm going to geek out a little bit, but like you look at family, like the good Jewish family, I mean, they did it all right. They did it all by the book. But over time, they'd forgotten. There were all these commandments that that the Jewish family had, you know, to welcome the stranger, for instance, you know, to leave part of your field for the poor to tend and and to, to, to pick fruit or whatever. And, you know, but by the time Jesus comes on the scene, they, they, forgotten a lot of that they were not living outward facing lives at all and so you know jesus comes in the scene and there's this story in in two of the gospels matthew and luke where jesus is teaching in a house and they interrupt his teaching and they say hey jesus your mother and your brothers are looking for you and he says who are my mother and my brothers everybody who does the will of god they're my mother and my brother and my sister that doesn't sound very family oriented. No. And so when people say no offense to, and, and, you know, culture day was like, well, if we could just like have family values. Well, it's like, well, yeah, family values, if they're reoriented around the Jesus, the Messiah, who reordered and reoriented all of us around himself, not around mom, dad and white picket fence. So how to how do mom and dad then understand their purpose and then the kids understand the purpose, and then whether you're single or married or whatever, you understand your purpose is outward facing. It's not, your life is not for you, it's for others. And so, I mean, that's, that's kind of that, you know, mm-hmm. the reorientation that we have. So yes, we can have a strong family ethic, but only if it's for others, gathered around the risen presence mm-hmm. of Christ. Yeah, you talk specifically about parenthood a little bit. And you say that while everyone is not called to like physical parenthood to having kids, you say everyone is called to spiritual parenthood. So I'm just wondering like how that works for, you know, the single people, the widows, those who don't come from good families. Um, Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. My mind was blown in this idea. So that idea came to me by working with a Catholic priest. So Catholic priest, not married. (laughs) Um, but this Catholic priest will, will boldly stand up and say, you know, that he, you know, that, that he in, in Catholic land, the priest is called father, <laughs> right? So he's the father to the parish. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, Carrie and I were unable to have kids of our own. So I needed somebody to sort of validate the father mm-hmm. hope that I had and say, oh, no, you can be the father to everybody. Mm-hmm. 
And so I just took that to heart. Yeah. And so he said, you know, you, you look at other people in the eyes and you're the, you're the father that, you know, the little kid who scrapes their knee at the playground, you can be their father, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and I think we can even, even in peer relationships, kind of almost mm-hmm. parent or reparent one another. And, and so in my life, I then was privileged, you know, to, to look back over my life, had a very wonderful family, but we all know we don't learn everything from our families of origin. We have to have other people in our life who teach us things, you know youth leaders and teachers and scoutmasters and coaches and that sort of thing. But then, um, as a, a right out of college, 22-year-old, I moved to Washington, D.C., and I didn't have, you know, two nickels to rub together, and a family, you know, much like we did with Haley, invited me into their home. And mm-hmm. so it was like, I'm sitting at table learning from a family that has a totally different understanding of hospitality than we had growing mm-hmm. up. Growing up, we didn't let anybody come over unless the house was absolutely clean, mm-hmm. which meant we never had anyone over. Yeah. <laughs> and Wayne and Carolyn had people over all the time, and it was like, yeah, there's laundry in the corner. Mm-hmm. Just move it, and, mm-hmm. and let's watch Jeopardy. I mean, that was just kind of how they were. And so it was kind of this huge relief mm-hmm. to be around a family for whom I just knew that their house was for, for others. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. You talk about that a little bit in terms of the phrase domestic liturgy. So can you talk about what that means? Yeah, domestic liturgy, domestic church is, again, a term I got from uh, some of my Catholic friends. And... But I, but I love it because so so much of life in ministry and in, in church and in Christian activities is we feel like we've got to sign up for a program to grow in Christ. And I'm like, well, what if vacuuming can help you grow in Christ? What if making coffee in the morning can help you grow in Christ? What if feeding your pet? So, so domestic liturgy is okay. So we know what we do in a church gathering. We know we're going to go and we're going to sing and we're going to pray, and we're going to hear scripture read. And if you grew up in a more liturgical setting, there's a little more, there's literally smells and bells that happen and bowing and kneeling and crossing. And so it's like, how do you appropriate all the stuff you do in church to your home? Mm-hmm. And so how is climbing the stairs? It's like the Psalms of Ascent or something mm-hmm. like that. How is walking down the stairs in the morning and making coffee like, a, a, like an act of gratitude, an act of prayer? Um, and so I just... I like to take every, every moment, every thought captive to Christ and, and turn it into prayer, turn it into discipleship in some way. So it's yeah. not adding something new to your schedule. No. Like it's not adding, okay, every time I make a cup of coffee, I have to read these verses and say a prayer and whatever. It's yeah. just... It's like smell the goodness of coffee and mm-hmm. say thank you, Lord. Yeah. And know that if you're a <laughs> I know young, I do. <laughs> if you're a young parent and you don't have time to have an hour long quiet time, then like yeah. cut yourself you know yeah. some slack. And you know, and then you know then you know, Chris Kastriva, who who I ran with oh, every Chris. day like last year, we would challenge ourselves to tie our shoes, say the Lord's Prayer as we were tying our shoes. Mm-hmm. That's simple, right? And, and then we would pray the gospel. Of, what he, said, he says, I want to do this. It just became our thing. I want to go do gospel of peace on Princess Anne Street. Because mm-hmm. we, you know, because in uh, the scriptures, it, it says our shoes are fitted with the, the news that brings the gospel of peace. So we'd be like, okay, we'd tie our shoes and pray. And then we'd run and proclaim peace with our actions. Uh, and then we'd always pray at the end of the run. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. And like Chad, I mean, some of y'all over here, I mean, you do the same thing. So it's like, this is not rocket science. Yeah. But it's just like, how do you invite the Lord into the it's so groundbreakingly simple. Yeah. There's nothing you have to add or like 
change necessarily. It's just inviting Jesus into what you're already doing, right? So making the church a space that's a little more like home and like using the rhythms that you already have established, right? And almost seeing them as like rhythms that are holy mm-hmm. and not just boring yeah. <laughs> rhythms. Well, that's what COVID did for us at least is like we had to get our house, had to get our house in order because you're like living there, eating every meal there, mm-hmm. working there. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents are educating their kids from there. And so it's like if you didn't have predictable patterns in your family life, you were just going to collapse. Mm-hmm. Like your house was going to burn down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, okay. COVID's terrible, but how do we take some of these things from that pandemic season into the future and say, no, actually eating at home is, is good because mm-hmm. newsflash, restaurants are expensive now. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, I actually woke up at two o'clock in the morning thinking of this question. <laughs> so here we are. A lot of people like see these two versions of church, right? They see like the funky little off the beaten path house churches right and then they see the big organized church as organization as liturgy as prayers and bells and smells and then there's home that's where we brew coffee that's where you know we pass each other in the hallway should we be seeing it in that binary how do we blend it is that a good thing well i think every okay every home is a little church so that's just my that's where i start mm-hmm. which is weird I, understand. I say marriage is church planting mm-hmm. so that's what i say and so everybody's like oh i never thought about that before but you know and like if you come from a family that you know that that loved well we'll follow that example if you don't well then you just get invited invite yourself like i did into somebody else's family and learn some things you didn't learn from your own family if, if church is then a collection of little families and that, and those are, and I, and I, and I want to be generous with the idea of family where it's like, you're, you're welcoming in the lost and the lonely and the, you know, the, the alien, the widow, the orphan, mm-hmm. the oppressed, that sort of thing. So everybody's kind of welcoming the family, but if those little units are healthy, then those are the small group. And that, that's the, that's the evangelistic program. Those are the small groups. Mm-hmm. Like, what? why do we have to go inventing them? Mm-hmm. You know, we already have them. Just mm-hmm. in, make, make your life open to others. And then those are healthy. And then, like I think I said that in the video. And then, and then the bigger church is healthy, too. So there mm-hmm. really shouldn't be, like, a, what I do at home is what I do at mm-hmm. home. What I do at church is what I do at church. It should be kind yeah. of an infusion. It's what you things. do at so, home, and yeah. then it's what you do at church on yeah. top of it. And it builds and builds. So it's, like, big church, lots of families. And, and, and I can see, like, I'm... I'm I've been in the process of planting little house churches mm-hmm. and a network of that as a church planting kind of way, which I love. And then I'm going to go and be in a 124-year-old church. But there is a network of house churches alongside this church. So it's like then you kind of get to see how the, the church with the organ, because they have a good one. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> and the robes with the little things that they um, But... Then how are those families then released into the neighborhood mm-hmm. and recognizing that, you know what, uh, where, like, I, you know, I told the church I'm going to, they, they, um, they wanted to tie their time and tithe their money and tithe their time. I said, well, that's cool. As long as you recognize that a tithe of your time can be taking care of grandchildren. Mm-hmm. That's kingdom work, right? Yeah. You know, taking care of your neighbors. That's kingdom work. It is not signing up to come scrub the floor of the church. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So I wanted to read this quote along those lines from page 70. And it says, Many people today think about church the way they do about large impersonal organizations. 
There is a growing segment of society that wants to buy local. Some are even learning how to farm for themselves. The same is true for church. Let that sink in. (laughs) I mean, that was crazy to me. Because it put into words, like, what I've seen here and, like, here and then in bigger churches and spread all throughout. So just a little taste. Another quote from page 84 says, The Fresh Expressions Journey starts by listening to the community. I wanted to ask, like, when you were listening to the community in Fredericksburg, what did you hear? What were they asking? Yeah, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time, we, we, we came here as you know, missionaries, that was our posture, and so it was a lot of time prayer walking UNW's campus, hearing some crickets in, in many respects, actually, then prayer walking Eagle Village, uh, and then getting to know, and, and Kip and some of you know this, getting to know uh, there was an English language school in Eagle, Eagle Village, and it was this surprising, we are coming here for the, the college students, but the first some of the first students to really gravitate were these international students who really did have need they really did need community we're not too busy to come uh come over here and you know we were doing like easter egg dying with muslim kids and stuff for a couple of years <laughs> mm-hmm. you know and and we're meeting kids at you know young adults at costco i mean mm-hmm. so you sometimes the lord surprises us when we actually listen to the community as opposed to come up with a strategy on a whiteboard mm-hmm. and then say, oh, I'm going to go reach that campus. Well, actually, we needed to reach all these, the edge. Mm-hmm. And then the campus started going, oh, well, what's going on over mm-hmm. there? I feel like that helps, like, not box God in, mm-hmm. if I can use that language. Yeah. Like, it leaves space to see what he wants to do instead of what you have in mind yeah. that you're going to do. Switching tracks a little bit, okay. back to the household idea. Okay. So you talk about this idea of the table. And it's more than just like a physical table, right? So can you talk about what happens around a table? What has happened to you around a table? What have been some of your favorite times around the table? Sure, I I may read a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, table, I I feel like the table can be a, I I use the word liminal space or a thin space. Like a table is a place where heaven meets earth. Jesus did not, the, the scriptures came around 300 years after Jesus that, Jesus left his disciples a meal. And so that meal was what undergirded and shaped the whole church. It was a, it was a big meal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a cracker and juice. Mm-hmm. It became that because the church got big and they had to you know, meet on Sunday and then people had to go to work after. But, but in the early church, it was like Saturday night, Sunday night, a supper club. That's what, mm-hmm. what it was in, in the Roman Empire. Then how do we, you know, think about our own tables and I'm, I'm talking it doesn't have to be fancy but you know I, I think there is a tending of the presence of Christ around the table can I read something yeah is that okay go for it because these people are here. so some of y'all are here and you're in here which is like <laughs> so cool but there's a chapter in here called a table bigger than your house when to be a guest and not a host Anybody need to learn how to be a guest? I, I'm that person. Um, but this is just, you know, and this is just, you know, knowing, you know, Maria Copeland's here, but so I just told a story about their early marriage. But it says, when Dave and Maria were newlyweds, they started making a pot of soup and a loaf of bread on Thursday nights at their house, a little 1950s rental. Every week, they invited their friends and neighbors over to enjoy their soup and bread. Every week, for about six months, Dave and Maria sat at their kitchen table eating their soup and bread alone. (laughs) But they kept at it. 
Every week they remained faithful and prayerful. And one Thursday night, a neighbor finally came. The next week, the neighbor brought a co-worker. Soon the table was full. And on one of those full table nights, a friend of a friend, a young and boisterous restaurant manager, showed up with a bottle of wine. Well, Dave and Maria didn't often drink wine, but that night they did. <laughs> I hope I'm not telling the story wrong, Maria. And the boisterous young man soon became a part of their family. The crazy thing is I actually knew this guy. Um, by the time I met that boisterous young man, he was my landlord no lie, in Alexandria and director of Mercy Ministries at a local church, Alexandria Presbyterian. I met Dave and Maria 15 years later <laughs> during their daughter's freshman year in college. They lived just down the street from the university and became known to us as the Pancake Parents. <laughs> On Saturday mornings, a rumpus of students rambled down the hill from the campus of the neighborhood below into their home. The aromas of bacon, butter, and syrup filled the air. As the students pulled together, an assortment of chairs around the big family table, their plates were piled high with piping hot pancakes. There was no catch, no bait and switch. Dave and Maria weren't out for anything but making pancakes for their daughter's friends. And then I go on and say there's something about the table. We eat at the table, talk at the table, work at the table. We draw pictures, arrange puzzles, play games around the table. And once, and this is true, we lived in a house where the washer and dryer were tucked in a little closet underneath the stairs. So in that house, we folded our laundry at the table as well. And then I, I talk about how early Christian gatherings happen exclusively around the table almost. Mm -hmm. And so it's just something that we need to think about in our Yeah. I really liked how you defined love in the book. I don't, I mean, it was such a tiny little phrase. I don't even know if you caught it, but it's in there. And you say love is, where did it go? Seeing our lives as a gift to give. And I think that fits in with what you just read, how there was no catch, there was no bait and switch. It was just seeing your table, seeing your life, seeing your pancake mix as a gift to give. And that's it. And that's really refreshing for people. And, yeah, there's something really powerful about seeing the table as a gift to offer to other people. So you talk about a little bit about the word mutuality, which okay. is a word we throw around a lot here at the center. I don't know if you all noticed. But <laughs> so can you kind of talk about that? And then in the book, you also relate it to the Trinity. Okay. Right. Yeah. So how does... I mean, the Trinity, that's a scary topic. Right. <laughs> that's, be, but, yeah. I mean, that's a topic you don't really want to go to in a little book interview. <laughs> it's a holy and mysterious thing that I think we have to recover in the life of the church. And in my church growing up, it's kind of like Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Um, and and, and, and I, I really, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we learn about those sacred three through the, through the Bible, of course. Um, but there's this... Uh, as best as we understand it, this side of glory, and we never really will, but there's this counsel of God. We read about you know, God and creation. It says, let us make man in, in our image, in likeness. And so there's this, there's this us-ness, this we-ness to, to God and God's purposes. And so if we understand God as Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then there's an ongoing act. And it's, it's like some people say divine dance, and that didn't even get quite to it. It's, a, it's, it's deference. It's like, it's like a bowing. It's like, a, it's like an opening of the door. It's like a right this way sort of a way of, of thinking uh, in, the, in the life of the Trinity. So if I'm constantly deferring, oh, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? And we're coming to, re we're reasoning together. You know, it's like Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So much of the early church was 
submitting to one another, submitting my plans to the group, and we discern together where we spend our resources, how we, we live our lives. And that's, that's what we, we mean by kind of mutual relationships. And theoretically, we learn those in a family. Mm-hmm. We didn't all learn them in our families, I recognize, mm-hmm. but theoretically we can. And, and in the best cases, you know, we all know families where it's like, man, I really wish I could be like them. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the families you're just like super excited to be mm-hmm. around where you see mutuality and sharing and, and, and deference. And, and we get that as an echo of the life of God. Yeah, it gives us hope then going back to circling back for a moment to what we started with, how Jesus can reorient the family. Because I think... I mean, sometimes I have a tendency to think, wow, I didn't learn this in my family. Guess I'm just stuck. <laughs> oh, well, it has to be learned in a family. But when you reorient and redefine a family, it can change that. Yeah. And you can learn new things from new people that are just as valuable. So. Right. I mean, the first chapter of the book's about me as a 20-something living with a bunch of guys in a house. And, <laughs> but, but you were not allowed to hide in this house. Hmm. And my college house... I was too cool to clean the bathrooms. I was. My roommates cleaned every Friday, and I showed up late, and I was a jerk about it. Um, (laughs) So the Lord has this habit with me is when I say I'm not going to do something, I have to do it. So it was like two, three years later that I'm living with a, a bunch of guys, and we actually had a rule of life in our house, and we actually had like regular routine cleaning times. And and it's, it's when I lived with others and was, didn't have, could not hide, um, I, I learned how to function in a family. That, that prepared me for mm-hmm. life in many, many mm-hmm. ways. So. Sounds like an uh-oh moment. It was definitely <laughs> an uh-oh moment. Yeah. Which leads me into my next oh. question. That was the best segue I've done on yeah, the Paul, Paul, Paul was going to play the little... <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> so you talk about uh-oh moments and aha moments. Yeah. And I've heard this called a couple different things, but can you tell us what those are, first of all? Sure. What does that mean? This is in the <laughs> chapter on discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of you have been around the center, you've been around uptick, you, you got introduced to this concept of kairos time. So it's the in-breaking time where God breaks into your every day. So it's kairos. Um, but if you don't like Greek words, um, <laughs> I just call them uh oh. Which is an old Hebrew word for kairos. Yeah. Uh oh or aha. So, like when I do, when I'm just like in the middle of the day and go, whoa, something just happened to me, or oh, I just made a mistake again. And I'm like, how do you take that moment and ruminate on it, reflect upon it, mm-hmm. and then submit that to your friend, and and learn to work work it out mm-hmm. um, and that could be a good thing like oh my gosh I just realized like my purpose in life well <laughs> tell that to somebody and let's make a plan mm-hmm. or I just messed up again mm-hmm. we'll tell somebody and make a plan and those can also be little things yeah. like that's kind of breaking down the idea I mean I've always had the idea that God can only do big things because God is big right but I think recently I've seen that God can also be very very small and he can get into very small areas, too. Yeah. And we, we need get God to get in the small areas because so many of us live in our own self-deception. And we feel like we've got to have it all figured out for ourselves. And if we're, we have something happening, even in our body, and we're like, oh, my gosh, it, I must be this way. Well, maybe. 
<laughs> um, or, or maybe you'd like to just be patient and, mm-hmm. and wait and pray and, and, and see if this isn't something we're going to walk through over mm-hmm. years, you know. So that's yeah. why we committed to be, be patient in these moments. Yeah. It's cool that you talk about, like, getting other people into that instead of this just being a, this is just between me and God. Like, no, I'm inviting someone else into this to help me listen and help me discern and figure out if this is God. So how do these uh-oh and aha moments, how do these change community life and not just individual lives? Well, yeah. I mean, if, if I, I say everyone in this community is a priest at my elbow, so you have to make me better if I'm going to be your pastor. <laughs> That's the rule. So hopefully in the act of deference in the life of the Trinity, you're going to say the same for me. And so then I'm just trying as best I can to be, uh, you know, somewhat confessional and, and vulnerable. And we don't have mm-hmm. to be like super, we don't have to like throw our feelings all over the floor all day. Um, <laughs> Please no. <laughs> no. Nobody really needs that. That's not actually helpful. Right. But what is helpful is when you have enough like pliability with the relationship. You're not mm-hmm. rigid. You're not, you, I just, you know, when you meet somebody and they're just not open, well, then there's no peace there. So I moved to somebody who mm-hmm. is. Um, and hopefully we have church community and, and communities around the world that where people are open, mm-hmm. open to correction, open to change, open to aha, wow, mm-hmm. kind of moments mm-hmm. in God. There's one more quote that I want to read that kind of goes back to the table. Well, okay. There's another quote that I want to read <laughs> that kind of goes back to the table. And I feel like this is such a good summary of everything that we've talked about. And it says, this is the message. The table in every home is an extension of the table in the close circle. Every marriage is an echo of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Discipleship and worship are not the goal. They are vehicles. The goal is our union with the infinite love of God. So is there anything else that you want us to know about your book? (laughs) Anything that we have not touched on? Well... Um, thank you, Tabitha, for your expert questions and <laughs> reading and um, just sort of mining the depths of the of the text. I appreciate that very, very much. Um, no, again, this is a um, just a gift to be able to, to write this, a gift of fresh expressions to you know see it as wor- worth uh, reading and see the publishers to, to to produce the book. So. Um, read it and buy it <laughs> Please. Um, hopefully the questions are helpful I, I think it's it's strategically important for us to think in these terms in this particular moment uh, in history um, and then there are a couple cool there's a couple of like uh, things if you put that next little I, I actually need y'all to do some stuff so oh, no. this is apparently how <laughs> books happen um, so ha- that's the hashtag so we're supposed to have one of those according to the publisher people <laughs> So buy it and read it, of course. But, okay, it, this book is not live live yet. You can get it on Kindle, I think. But on April 7th, it goes live on the publisher's site, and it will, it will be on Amazon hard copy by then. So April 7th, we also have a fundraiser here at the center, so it's like kind of yeah. a nice thing to remember. There's trivia night at the center, and if everybody can post on social media on April 7th. And that would mean post a picture of yourself with the book. Post a quote from the book. Post something that I send you about the book and say, please post this. On April 7th, because the more people apparently you get posting on the same day, the more they tell me. Some of you are nodding. Apparently something happens in the, the 
algorithms of the social world that is then you go home and watch Social Dilemma and you never want to be on the thing again. But, but this is just a tool that we have. Um, so on April 7th, post about the book and use the hashtag uh, bringing church home. And um, yeah, if you read it and you're like, no, this, this would be great for, for my church. It is a viable strategy for sort of envisioning a way of being church. You know, like let's talk more. And I'll be doing some uh, more kind of podcasty things throughout the summer. And then next in the fall, I'll do Fresh Expressions does an online academy. And so this will be an offering of that online academy. So we'll have a kind of a, a four-part kind of course, I guess, um, on the book and, and using some of the questions and some of the concepts. And, and some of you here in Fredericksburg don't know yet, but you're going to be helping me with that because um, I'll be in Dallas and we'll be here. And so we'll show how it's working in the big church and how it's working in a network of churches too. So we'll, we'll kind of, we're extending the family um, in this season. Thank Can you I, for being here. Can I read one more quote? Oh, like sure. okay. over everyone. Okay. This includes you. Oh, okay. You can listen to. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so this is a prayer um, that you include on page one fifty one <laughs> from Saint Teresa of Avila, I think. Avila. Avila. So this prayer says, "Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he sees. Yours are the feet with which he walks." Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. So I want to encourage you and all of you. Thank you all for being here. And yeah, I just encourage you to embody more of Jesus in the family and in the church. Thanks, guys.